0: I'd like to welcome you to a new series we're starting here as we continue our look at the um, letters of the New Testament. We're uh, going into the next letter, the letter to the Ephesians that Paul wrote. And in this book of Ephesians, we're going to be looking at... uh, three parts and the title of this series is Therefore Walk. Um, the, this letter is filled with the word therefore um, quite a bit and really the idea of a therefore is you have to look and see what it's there for. If you put the word therefore there because something was just said and to to get this whole series started we're actually going to be looking at chapter one just a few verses that really give this amazing description of what christ has done for us and then the whole rest of the letter is because of what we just read because of what jesus has done therefore the rest of the letter. And really we're going to be basing these three look at three different therefores that um, over this series that really give us a description of how to respond to what Christ has done. Um, would you give special focus as we read um Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14. And I want you to listen for this amazing description of what Jesus has done. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. Heaven and which are on earth in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, that whole passage is just filled with God's will, God's purpose, God's initiation. He initiated redemption for you and for me. He predestined, he planned for your acceptance and your relationship with God. This was his work. He did it all. He absolutely did it all. And he um, took that initiation. And because of this, we have got the rest of this letter that's filled with all of the ways to respond to what Christ has done, to respond to his initiation of relationship with us. Now, we're actually going to base our three different therefores um, out of chapter five. So if you want to turn with me there, um, in Ephesians chapter five, we're going to find therefore walk in love. We're also going to find next week, Therefore, Walk in Light, and then the last week, Therefore, Walk in Wisdom. Today, we're going to be focused on Therefore, Walk in Love, and we're going to begin by reading Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2 right now, where it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So, how do we do this? How do we walk in love? We understand the why. We already read the why. That long passage was the whole reason why we would ever attempt and hope to walk in love. Um, But I want to give us three different thoughts here um, from a few different parts in Ephesians as to um, how we walk in love in response to God's initiation to us. Um, The first way in which we walk in love is we walk in love through personal choices. Um, We walk in love through our personal choices. Um, Our personal choices do impact the lives of others probably in ways that we wish they didn't because we love this idea that I can make a decision for myself and it doesn't have impact on other people, um, especially in a negative way. I can make my own decision, I can live my own life, I can be the captain of my own ship, and as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, I'm just fine. The problem is, is that the things and the choices that we make do have impact whether we want them to or not. We are not living on our own little island with no consequence to the other people around us, but rather we make decisions, even the small decisions in life seem to have an impact. Um. A few months ago, we kind of had a rash of, of difficult things that kind of hit us as a family. Um, but one of them was that my son Colton' his car was stolen twice in nine days. In nine days' time, it, it was stolen right out of the work his work parking lot. Um, it was retrieved and brought back, and we went and got it, brought it back, and then nine days later, it was stolen again, and. What, the the situation that took place for me was this trying to make a decision, what do I do? Um, do I go and pay the money to get the car out of the impound yard, which really frustrated me because we just got our car stolen and now we had to pay um, a couple hundred dollars to get the car back. Um No one else was on the line for that, that was just ours um, to pay. And as I was contemplating the value of the car and is it worth it and what's the condition of the car when we get it back, um, I was really like not wanting to go get the car. But we kind of felt like, well, you know, just trying to calculate what what it was gonna be worth. But when we went and got the car, checked it out, we realized it was drivable. And we started driving it back home in the rain and within a couple miles, parts of the car were falling off the car because it had gotten beaten up and I didn't realize that when uh, I was checking it out. And now I'm in a stranded situation with a portion of the car kind of wrapped up into the engine um, and one challenging decision led into the next challenging decision which led into the next challenging decision. And um, it was a mess, multiple hours trying to get this car home. Um, We finally got it home um, without getting into all the details. Got the car kind of fixed up to where Colton could drive it again, and then it gets stolen again. And now it's down the total opposite direction. And when the impound yard and the police contacted me saying, I think we have your car, my reaction was, I don't want to go get that car. It's not worth my effort. Um, And so they when I investigated a little further that if I made that decision and not pay the impound fee, that that was going to turn into like, I was gonna get charged every single day I didn't go get it and eventually they would turn me over to collections for this money. And so it was going to be a very difficult decision to say I'm just not gonna go and deal with that car. And so anyway, I ended up going down and uh, paying 250 more dollars to get this car out of this impound yard and to start driving at home and it sounds a little funny and within a few miles I realized that the temperature gauge is totally on hot and I pull off to a gas station and I realized that in the course of the two days it was stolen this time is that a hole was put in the radiator. It was like decision after decision after decision just seemed to like pile up against me. Um, someone else's decisions making my life difficult, and now me making decisions go, I wish I could just go back and make a different decision, realizing that our choices have a way of compounding themselves. I had a situation kind of like this before where um, we wanted to get dirt put into the backyard, and uh, um, we called this dump truck to come and it was going to be cheap because my cousin owned the dump truck and he was going to have this dirt brought and we were going to have it delivered. Well, it was kind of a rainy day the day before and I was kind of nervous about the um, dump truck driving in onto the yard. Well, um, I asked the, the, the driver, are you sure that this is going to be good? You think you're going to be able to get through here? Well, yeah, no problem. He backs the truck in, dumps the dirt off, and now he's trying to get out of the yard and he cannot get up over this little teeny slope. And now the dump truck is stuck in the yard. And I'm just going, oh no, you know. And he made a gigantic mess of our yard, going back and forth, and pretty soon we've got all kinds of things going on, all kind of ruts in the yard. Ultimately he can't get it out. I got to call it a, a tow truck to come pull the dump truck 600 feet out of the yard Only to get a bill $600 later. It's just like this dirt cost me way too much money, way too much headache, maybe too much anxiety. I just couldn't believe how one decision, I wish I could just go back four or five hours earlier and not get out of bed. That's the way I felt. Sometimes our decisions just have a way of compounding themselves. Um, You you know, you probably, every one of us have got different moments of, the decisions or the choices that were made led to much bigger problems, not only for me, but for other people. Maybe decisions like drinking and driving have had absolutely devastating consequences for the people we love. Um, Maybe someone clicked on a link of an old boyfriend or girlfriend, which led to all kinds of problems in a marriage, maybe even divorce. Uh, Maybe the decision to stay out with friends too long led into um, difficulties or challenges in life Um, following along with the crowd. We've all got these stories of decisions we wish we could go back and change. When my mom got the news of her lung cancer, um, there was this immediate feeling of regret and guilt. And she called both my sister and and myself with tears um, about how she regretted every time she restarted smoking. Um, She always told us when she stop smoking, but never really informed us when she started smoking. And over the course of her time, she ended up passing away early. And I know there was regret. You see, our decisions impact other people. Um, And the, the big ones like I've described and the little ones I've described, they all seem to have a consequence. And so all of it to say this is that we can choose to love the people around us by our own personal choices. Our own personal choices feel like they're only about ourselves. They, the, the, the crazy thing about life is that we are not um, independent. We are not living as unto ourselves only, but we've got people around us. And, and, and a lot of times you might say, well, I really don't have anyone around me that cares about me. I don't have anyone around me that, that it would know if I live or die. Well, the fact of the matter is you've already had a series of choices that has put yourself in that kind of situation and you have hurt people along the way. Our personal choices impact other people. So we can choose to love people by the personal choices that we make. In fact, um, Paul goes on to say the next couple verses here in Ephesians five verses three through four, it says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. These are things that we do. Fornication, sexual immorality is another way to talk about it. And uncleanness or covetousness. These are actions that we can do. And, And here Paul says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talk, nor coarse joking, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So what he's saying here is that these actions these personal choices sexual immorality um unwholesome conduct covetousness our talk our joking all of this stuff are decisions that we make and we think that it's only about ourselves but all of these decisions that we make impact other people um this is this there's this this list of things that Paul gave to us We talk about behavior and talk about language. And really, he says, instead of these things, they should not even be among God's people. Why? Because we're called to love one another. We are called to um, care about the people around us. We are called to a higher walk as believers in Christ, we are called by the name of Christ and we are given this opportunity to love others through our own personal choices. You see, when we're deciding what to do in life, we've gotta ask, not just if it's good for me, but we've got to ask if it's good for thee. We've got to ask if it's good for those around us. And we are accountable for our own personal choices. And we've given this opportunity. You've given an opportunity to love love other people by making a good choice for yourself, by making a wise choice for yourself, by by, by choosing um, to um, honor God in our lives and in all of the small ways and in the big ways. And we, impact other people significantly through these personal choices. So that's the first way in which we can walk in love is through our personal choices. Um, Then um, we also find here in Ephesians this idea. We walk in love through humble patience. We walk in love through humble patience. Now it's shifting away from our own, the way we conduct ourselves and our personal choices, now we've got to deal with other people. Now we've got to deal with the way other people are around us. And it can be frustrating sometimes. Other people's behavior, other people's attitudes, other people's actions put our love to the test. Um, But Ephesians 4, one chapter earlier, verses 1 through 3 reads this way. I therefore The prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So here we're being called by Paul to love people through humble patience. Now, Paul starts off this little thing by referring to himself as a prisoner of the Lord. He calls himself a prisoner of the Lord. And I got to thinking about what does it mean to be a prisoner? What would it be like to be a prisoner? What are some of the attributes of being a prisoner? And boy, you land right at this phrase, humble patience, as a prisoner. Um, A prisoner deals with um, a humiliation as they are locked up, um, it could be for something that they did or didn't do. Nevertheless, walking into a prison, being locked up, having your freedom taken from you is a humbling experience. Um, a prisoner must also develop patience. Not only is it humbling, but now you're sitting in there for however long it may be. If it's one day, if it's three weeks, if it's several years, if it's for a life, no matter how long you're sitting in prison, you begin to develop patience. You're sitting there with nothing to do. You're sitting there with no place to go. You're sitting there and one of the one things that you're gonna develop is patience as you wait in prison. Um, patience is a sure outcome of an occupation, of the occupation of prisonhood. So when I think about Paul describing himself as a prisoner of the Lord, certainly there's a, a, a humbling piece to what he's talking about, and there's a patient piece to what he's talking about in just describing himself as a prisoner of the Lord. But then he goes on with these description words, these words that describe humble, patient love. Um, he, taught, he says, with lowliness. With, well, that's not a word I'm trying to sign up for. Who wants to be lowly? Who wants to be sitting in a lowly position? But here he says that we're to love others in lowliness, with gentleness, he says, with gentleness, with long suffering, um, aiming at unity and peace. You know, these words sound like a nightmare. It also sounds like Jesus. When I think about Jesus and even the very humble uh, ways in which he arrived on the scene here on earth, um, being born to a virgin, riding on a donkey, um, being obscured, no room at the inn, he shows up in a lowly way. Um, he walked with gentleness. I think of a scene where he's got that woman who's been accused of adultery and everyone wants to stone her and they're putting Jesus to the test. What shall we do with her? The law says that we should stone a woman like this. And Jesus starts writing in the dirt something, probably right now a few different sins that everybody's certainly guilty of. And he says, he who has no sin, cast the first stone. They all drop their rocks and walk away. And Jesus in all gentleness says, where are your accusers? Where are these people who want to stone you? And go and sin no more. He was the epitome of gentle long suffering. If there was a person who I think of in the world of history that was long suffering, it was Jesus. Aiming at unity and peace. These were all things that make up the life of Jesus. Um, Danita's got an uncle. Um, His name was Wilmer. And uh, one time we were out there at the lake. Um, He he had a house that lived on the lake. He had a boat. And uh, our children are small at this time. And he um, invited them to be on the boat and even to drive the boat. And Danita and I are watching this whole thing. And our kids have never driven a boat. And, you know, Luke, I think, is the only one who really had the the size and the ability to to do this. But he's trying to um, drive this boat. And I would have been struggling with patience and overreacting. And I watched Uncle Wilmer just operate with a gentle just a patience, you know, just when Luke made a mistake, he just gave this gentle nudge. Oh, maybe you should try this. And, and he just was very gentle. And um, we moved on from that experience. um, Whenever I would be dealing with those frustrating moments in life and family and would get a little bit amped up or say something a little bit out of um, anger or frustration, um, Danita would say, Remember Uncle, Uncle Wilmer? And that would just immediately, like, oh, you know, humble me, you know, because there's this patience that we're really called to as believers. And we love people by being patient um, and humble. Pressure in life, though, when we're under pressure, when we're trying to get something done, when we feel like there's um, financial pressure or time pressure or people are watching us, it can really squeeze and put to test our patience. Um, Pressure is often felt by us due to our lack of trust in God, though. You see, God's got outcomes ready. He's got outcomes lined up. He knows the end result in what he's doing. And when we allow pressure to drive out patience. patience and humility, and we take matters into our own hands, we really are demonstrating a lack of trust in the Lord. Um, I want to listen to the uh, description that the Lord gives in talking to the disciples prior to his crucifixion. And um, he talks about um, what life is going to be like. And he says this, uh, Matthew 24, um, verses 9 through 13. This is really a description of a life in service to the Lord. It says, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved." Boy, talk about humble patience. If this is what serving the Lord is all about, um, I, you know, you feel like uh, checking out of that one. It's not something that you really want to sign up for, tribulation and being hated by the nations and people being offended and betrayal going on and false prophets lying, um, a lot of deception. I mean, this is a description of something that most of us are not too excited about. Humble patience is what Christ calls us to do. And we love others in this Humble patience, because people don't change right away. Circumstances can oftentimes be pretty miserable. Um, Humble patience, and when we read a description like this, we might say, uh, Walt, I'll take door number two. Um, We want a different option here than this description of serving the Lord. But friends, we love people through patience and humility. Here's one last way I see in the book of Ephesians, how we love others. How do we walk in love? We walk in love through participatory ministry, participatory ministry. Um, Let's read what Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 13 say, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Um, You might read that and go, "Um, apostles? Um, No, I'm not that. Prophets? I'm um, not that. Evangelists? No, not for me. Pastors? I'm not one of those. Teachers? No, that's not for me. And you go, you know what? I guess I'm not called to ministry. I, I don't seem to fit any of those words. Um, but let's keep reading. He called some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. "...for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." So what we find here is we read this, who is called to ministry, and we find it's every single believer in Christ. Every person who is called by the name of Christ. In this version of the Bible, it calls them saints. And you say, well, I'm not a saint either. Well, if you've been redeemed by Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You are perfect. You have been redeemed completely. Jesus sees you as perfect through the blood that he shed on the cross. And so now what we realize here is that all of these special offices of ministry, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, they're there, so that you, a believer in Christ, can be equipped for the work of ministry. We are all called to ministry. If we are breathing, we have an active call to ministry on our lives. And we um, respond to that call, and really what ministry is all about is loving people. That's what ministry is all about. Now, you might have the ministry of video editing. You might have the ministry of mopping floors. You might have the ministry of uh, repairing the church van. That all is ministry, but you do it not to fix a van or to clean up a, a floor. You do it because you love people. You do it to enable ministry to people to happen. And so we are called to active ministry and you love people through ministry. And so here's the question. Well, until when are we called? How long do I have to do this ministry if this is something everyone's got to do? The answer is forever. We are called to ministry forever. We are in the ministry till the day we go see Jesus in the air. And you say, well, how do you get that one? Well, for one, here in this passage, it says that um, these people, the saints, will be equipped for the work of ministry till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. You see, we engage in ministry as long as there's lost people, as long as there's people who don't know Jesus, as long as there's people who are still running from Him, as as long as there's people who are still rejecting Him, we have ministry and we're called to it. And listen to this. Another time frame we find here in the Bible, and this is continuing on this passage um, in Matthew 24, when Jesus said that there's going to be people dying and the ministry is going to kill you, is what he says here. And then it says this, Matthew 24, 14, it says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You see, ministry will be going on this Good news will be preached to the end of the gospel through you and through me, through all the believers. This ministry will continue on to all the nations, and then the end will come. So as long as you're on this earth, friends, you're not retired from ministry. Oh, you might not need to work a job anymore, but you have a job in Christ. You've got a ministry in Christ. You see, it is because of what Christ did, Ephesians chapter 1, therefore walk in love. And we do that through these different means, through our personal choices, making the right decision all the time for ourselves. And when we screw up, we repent and we make the better decision the next time. When we choose to get selfish and make a selfish flesh-oriented decision, we also are choosing to not love others. We also choose to love others through humble patience, walking with people as they mess up in life, as they put your patience to the test. You love people, you walk humbly and patiently with them. And then lastly, we love people. We walk in love through participating in ministry, accepting the call of God. We get ourselves involved. It might be the ministry of prayer. It might be the ministry of giving. It might be the ministry of serving um, in some ministry in your church. We need to find that, God, I'm signing up. I am fully engaged with your work. I hear your call on my life and I am going to respond to it. And now maybe you've been pretty lax lately. Maybe you haven't been doing a whole lot to serve people and to serve your church. I want to admonish you to engage to whatever way you can and you're called to. And you will find joy in that service. Um, We are active and we're going for it. And we've got people around us who need the good news of Christ. So I guess my challenge to you as we open this up is that you would say yes to walking in love. And that impacts you personally. It impacts you um, socially. It impacts you in every area of your life. And uh, we just say yes to that. And we have a reason to say yes. Reread Ephesians chapter 1 if you need to be reminded why you would choose to walk in love. Lord, um, your church... It's going and it's growing and your plans and purposes are going to be fulfilled. And Lord, you invite us into it. Um, Paul, Lord, talking to the Ephesians, gave us these therefores because of this, because of what Christ has done, therefore um, respond, therefore um, engage, therefore go for it. And Lord, this first admonition to us, Lord, to walk in love, I pray God that you would give us a desire to love others. I pray that you would give us a desire to serve your church and to serve lost humanity, Lord. I pray, God, that you would give us a desire to not live for ourselves, but to live for you, God. And uh, I pray, Lord, that anyone struggling with personal choices today, familiar sin, um, choices that, Lord, are negatively impacting their family and their close um, friends, Lord God, that are impacting their church. I pray, God, that you would uh, convict them and give them a a, a new sense of of desire and tools oh Lord to make better choices in their life that love others God I pray for those who are in circumstances that just feel like patience is so required I pray God that you would give them patience and humility Lord and and they would love people Lord in that patience and I pray Jesus uh, that you would also Equip us oh Lord right now for ministry that you would make very clear the steps that we are to take oh God in ministry Where do you want us to serve? Where do you want us to volunteer? Lord what gifts and talents have you given to me? What resources have you given to me that need to be invested eternally and Lord? I commit my heart to to this loving and walking Lord in love in Jesus name. Amen